Tonight at Staples Center, Ukrainian star Vasily Lomachenko, the unified lightweight champ who's won titles in three different weight classes, puts his belt on the line against tough Brit Anthony Krola. Loma, promoted by top rank, and Bob Arum, who raves about the two-time Olympic gold medalist who now trains in Southern California. The fight is at Staples Center. Loma brings a crowd. People want to see him, but who is he? Our boxing and MMA writer, Lance Plugmeyer, sat down with Lomachenko, and you're also going to hear the voice of Dylan Hernandez, columnist for the time. And Dylan, let's just say, gets very opinionated about boxing. It's Friday, April 12th. I'm your host, Bethel Duran, and you're listening to the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast. Here's Vasily Lomachenko with Lance Pugmire and Dylan Hernandez. Vasily, thank you so much for joining us today. Big fight coming up Friday night, Staples Center against Englishman Anthony Krola. What do you make of this matchup? Why is he a, a tough assignment for you? No, he he's uh, mandatory, so I don't have a choice. Uh, I need to fight uh, with the crawler for my next step, for my to my next uh, goal, uh, unificate uh, title. So he he was a two times world champion. Mm-hmm. I think it will be very interesting. Experienced opponent, right? One of your yeah. more, one of your more experienced opponents that you've ever taken on? No, uh, no, I think no. I I think. Uh, Lenares was uh, more experienced and more technically. I never seen uh, him in the real life, so I don't know. For you, um, this is an opportunity. I mean, you have previously fought at StubHub Center in Carson, now called Dignity Health Sports Park. You have previously fought at Microsoft Theater here in Los Angeles, and now you're moving up to the big stage of Staples Center. What does that mean to you? All athletes, then they start a professional career, they want to make his uh, competition in a big arena. So Staples Center is a very big and very historical place. For me it's very important because I want to be part of history. Mm-hmm. Staples, let's see, that what it is, uh, history. So it's very important for me. That's great. And you know, the Los Angeles fans have seen your skills on display and you've been very strong and effective in those fights. When you think about the fight in Carson, Gary Russell Jr., who I believe has only lost to you. Then you went to Microsoft and you fought Mariaga, a a distinguished opponent, and you were very strong in that. That was during your string of four consecutive fights in which you you forced your opponents to quit on their stool. So, like, how has your boxing ability elevated to the point that you are are on this bigger stage now at Staples Center, or is it just more of the same Loma? I think I, I now I have more experience. Now I grow up uh, like a professional boxer, like a master. So now I th- I think you will see like maybe a new a new lawman. Is it better than it was? Yeah, you know, yeah, the- sure. But you know, I had a very big rest and uh, I rest a long time, half year. So. After this rest, I was fight Pedraza. So, and that moment, my shoulder was not very good, not oh. healthy and hundred percent. But now, I have, I'm healthy and hundred percent. So, did it just feel tight the shoulder? No, I I didn't uh, use my right hook uh, during uh, all all fights uh, with the Pedraza. I use only punches 
what what was it comfortable for me. You know, I was going to ask you about the Linares fight because you got knocked down in that fight. Was more of that related to the fact that you were only fighting with one arm, really? Or was it maybe some discomfort with moving up in weight? What was the bigger issue that led to you getting knocked down in that fight? No, it, it was not a problem with the shoulder. I think uh, the deal is done and uh, I understand what I what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I finished this fight after a couple of rounds and yeah. I relaxed it. And after that, bam. There is something to be said about moving up in weight, though. I mean, there is an adjustment that needs to take place. Do you feel fully comfortable at 135 pounds now? Of course not, because uh, no? guys, guys uh, bigger than me and my regular weight, today I have a weight uh, 137 and, uh, you know, my weight is uh, my comfortable. For me, it's 130. If you see fights and if you see uh, our sizes, my opponent, my opponents bigger than me, he's, they are rich, biggest. So how do you know when you're going to be at your best? I mean, you have to look a little bit at your opponent, don't you? And say like, okay, I know this guy's a little bit naturally bigger and he's going to present some problems to me because of that. So we have a limit, 135, I, I go in this weight, weight classes, so I don't think about this, mm-hmm. you know, we have a, we have a weight, waiting day, every opponent have the same rules, mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't think about this, I just do my, my job, I just do my, uh, my boxing in the ring, and I have a goal, I have a dream, so that's why I go up in these weight classes. And I understand, and I know that part of that dream is Mikey Garcia, and that's kind of why I'm asking you this, because Mikey Garcia was very confident that he was going to be able to handle moving up in weight to 147, and yet I think when we all see that fight, we see what moving up in weight did to him. It was to his disadvantage to take that fight. So now that Mikey has fought at 147, do you think that that size difference, even though he will have to make 135 pounds, like you said, on the weigh-in day, do you think that that is, has that made you kind of reconsider that fight as maybe something that is to your disadvantage now? You know, I think he can't make a weight 135 now, I think. But uh, I won this fight and I won't fight with Mikey, but not in 140 now because mm-hmm. it's too much for me now. If he, But he's still a world champion 135. Yeah. Uh, or you leave uh, a belt and fight with me how you vacate the title and to go next weight classes what would mean more to you to have all four belts in the 135 pound division yes or i want to do this that's what you want is that what you want is that what you want most or do you still want mikey garcia most which one do you want more i want to be in the history so uh, i want a big names i want a big challenge uh, but you know it's, it depends not me. I, I'm ready for anybody, but I want to fight with the uh, top fighters. You know, when, when you talk about making history and stuff, do you ever kind of think about, you know, had you come around, I don't know, 15 years ago, right? And you look at the, you know, 126, 130 pound divisions, Barrera, Hamed, Morales, Marquez, uh, Pacquiao, there are a bunch of guys that were there. I mean, do you ever kind of think back, man, it's too bad I didn't, you know, I wasn't born a little bit earlier? No, no, no. I never, I never think about this. I never think about this. You know, every everybody has a uh, swaya. Every, everybody has own era. Yeah. So now, now it's uh, our era. It was a 
uh, they are errors. So it's. It seems like right now, for the great fighters to prove how good you guys are, it seems like almost like you need to move up, right? I mean, I think Mikey kind of felt that, that he felt like he had to move up. To get Mikey, you're going to probably have to move up. Uh, Crawford's fighting against bigger guys right now, too. I mean, it, it, you don't find that unfortunate at all? You know, but but nobody nobody uh, organize uh, a fight in a one way division with uh, Crawford, Mikey, and Loma. We can do this. You know? you have the opportunity here. I know this is a big card for ESPN because it marks the one year anniversary of their ESPN Plus app. That is a is a very big deal. But I know we've talked before. You definitely want to be a pay per view fighter. How patient are you being with the process that you still don't have a pay-per-view headline un, uh, under your belt at this point in your career? It depends. It depends your opponent. I need I need uh, some some good fighter, some fighter uh, who very famous in the in the world. So I wait for it. Who do you see as that opponent? I mean, if you if you think, think you may think be, Mikey's gone I for think, good, right? I think it. It can be Mikey or Geronto Davis. Oh, yeah. He wants to fight you. Yeah. Can you help tell your promoter, Bob Arum, break down the walls and make that fight between his company and PBC? It's, it's not make sense because, you know, he's a, a big, big letter in this business. He understands and he knows how can he, he do. So uh, it's not... not uh, it's not going to be even polite from my side to tell to my promoter what to do and how to do. He's a big promoter. He knows what he's doing and he knows how, how to do it. You trust him to get it done? Yeah, 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 of course, of course. He knows my goals, so he, he tried uh, to do big fights for me. So it's a business, big business. We've spoken about this before, but I think it's very interesting, your friendship with Usyk, Alexander Usyk, who's uh, the unified cruiserweight champion, now moving up to heavyweight, and Alexander Govstik, who just uh, defended his light heavyweight champion, all undefeated fighters. What does that bond, that friendship circle, mean to you, and how has it helped your career? I think we, um, we motivated each other. That's why I want to be Undisputed mm-hmm. world champion because my friend uh, Alex uh, Usyk has uh, four titles, mm-hmm. and that's why I want to be two because I don't wanna I, I don't like it then then somebody you know I start early boxing and a high level I start in the second pro fight I I was a uh, challenging for champion so you know he he's lucky man he he has a uh, ten or eleven fights all titles so I want to be undisputed world champion is there a friendly competition between you because I know you can say I've got two Olympic gold medals and I've won world titles in three different weight classes isn't that better than sweeping the cruiserweight division no 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 absolutely absolutely no what Usyk has done in winning all four belts is better than what you've done in your career I don't want to compare he is my friend I don't want to compare when you look back now, like, is there any part of you that wishes you might have maybe turned pro earlier? No, I don't think about this because uh, you know, I I have uh, two times Olympic gold medals. It's I love I love and I respect the history. 
uh, this part write my history and put my put my name in a history. Are you pretty confident that you know by the time your career is over, that you will have that opportunity to leave your name in history and and show people how good you are? It's very important for me because you know all all people all people uh, respect and all people knows and uh, learn history. That's why I want to do this. Is there any part of you that's afraid that you won't get that chance? No, I don't afraid. You have been in Southern California for quite a while now. How long have you trained here? Two months. No, for um, a total, like going back, it's been multiple years that he's been in Southern California. Every Friday, every Friday he trained yeah. here for does, two, two months. Does it feel like a true second home to you now? And what does it mean for you to yeah, be in that home and fight at Staples? Because I live, if you, if you take one year, I, I live half year in the United States and half year in Ukraine. So of course it's my second house. Second, uh, house. Great. Thank you so much, Vasily. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. And good luck in the fight Friday night. Thank you. Lance, you've known Lomo for a while, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. What's your impression of him now from when you first met him? I think that he's a fighter who continues to... He was already a sensational Olympic fighter, amateur fighter. Two, like you said, two-time gold medalist. His skills have continued to escalate throughout his career. He is a champion in three, at a third different division. He moved up last year, took on uh, George Linares, and then he also... Uh, came back and um, beat a guy named Jose Pedraza in December. And, you know, he's a guy that Southern California fans uh, love to see because they know how talented he is. He's such a gifted talent who can do so many different things in the ring because of the discipline and his uh, clean living lifestyle. I mean, he has basically de dedicated his life to this craft, and you can see that in the ring. He trains in the 805. His dad has his camp, and there it used to be Robert Garcia's yes. boxing academy up there. They bought him out, and they took over. And the Ukrainians are coming strong into Southern California. What should we expect tonight? You know, I think it's basically going to underline how special a talent Vasily Lomachenko is. This is uh, Anthony Krola is actually like his mandatory defense. He was supposed to be fighting a guy named Richard Comey, who won a belt in January in Dallas. But in that fight, Comey injured his hand. So instead of taking that bout, they have to take Krola. And as you heard in Lomachenko's voice, there was a little bit of disappointment, like, I've got this type thing. You know, this is not like a world-class opponent for me. So I think what he wants to do is really kind of underline the point and showcase the fact that I am a special talent who deserves to be in the, your top three pound for pound. And especially as I take my talents in Southern California, they've gone from StubHub Center in Carson to Microsoft Theater in LA Live, now to Staples Center. And I think he wants to illustrate for everyone inside that building just how special and gifted he is. Now, that's our newsman, Lance Plugmeyer. All right, Dylan, you're sitting here rolling your eyes, shaking your head. I'm not. Okay. Why do you always have to portray me in such a negative light? I'm, okay. I'm a man that's full of joy, man. Uh-huh. I and, bring sunshine. And you heard room. your voice faintly in the podcast. You were sitting there watching Lance Conductor's excellent interview with Loma, and you were probably had your arm folded and say, uh-huh, whatever, right? No, I mean, I think that uh -huh. there's nothing really he can do, right? You, yeah. you, you can't time when you're being born, right? And, and let me cut you off there. Before you even get there, you are a boxing fan. Yes. You know your boxing. You're very critical of the state of the sport of boxing right now. And, you know, Loma, as you said, Lance, that's his mandatory, Krola. 
And Dylan, you're just like, okay, I want to see more from this guy, right? Yeah, well, unfortunately, you know, we saw this in the Mikey Garcia fight. I mean, realistically, you can't just sit around and, like, clean out your division anymore and be considered a great fighter because, frankly, most divisions, there's, like, one guy and then the drop-off is huge. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, as it is, Lomachenko, keep in mind, has already moved up. He should probably be at 130, right, if not 126 even. You know, he's saying right now that his best weight class is 130, and he's fighting at 135. So he's already moved up in weight because he could couldn't just sit around at 130. I mean, who's he going to fight down there, right? And we saw this with Mikey Garcia, right? And in an effort, basically, to prove that he's a great fighter, he moved up, spotted a guy at 15 pounds, whatever. Against Earl uh, Spence. Against Earl Spence, got destroyed. Uh, you know, we saw Crawford, who should probably be fighting at 140 right now. He's already up at 47, you know, and theoretically, if he gets the fights that he wants, he's going to be fighting against guys that are bigger. Uh, and, you know, so Lomachenko, I, th I just think that, you know, right now, it's just kind of hard for these guys to prove that, how do you prove that you're great? You know, in boxing, you're, you are defined by your opposition, right? What made Ali was Frazier. What made Leonard was Hearns. You know, and how do you prove this without that opposition? And right now, you know, I think what we kind of started seeing with the Mayweather-Pacquiao eras were basically these guys spotting guys like 20 pounds in natural mm -hmm. weight. And these become like circus fights, right? They're yeah, you because you were very critical. You were covering the Dodge at the time, and you and I had, had this conversation in the press box. And you're like, "What a joke!" Yeah, like, right. you you sounded like well, Aaron. And it's, ah. and it's also a you know because those fights become tests of very specific skills, right? It's. Mm -hmm. You just can't get hit. So either you need tremendous foot speed or you need that kind of innate ability to be able to make guys miss when they're right in front of you, you know, say like a Roberto Duran or like James Stoney did. But I don't think any less of Mikey Garcia because he lost to Errol Spence. Of course he was going to lose. The guy's much bigger. But he stepped up and he, the fight. And he wasn't, you know, because he's not that elusive type of fighter, right? And unless you are that elusive type of guy, you know, Whitaker or a Mayweather or have the foot speed of a Pacquiao or a Roy Jones who can just pot shot guys from the outside... I don't know how you kind of prove your greatness. Now, with Lomachenko, he's kind of an interesting mix here because he does have that natural foot speed. That said, he's not a guy that really kind of fights from range, right? He uses his foot speed rather than to kind of dart in and out. He fights at angles, right? He, he turns you constantly. Beautifully, um, by the way. Now, I'm not so sure how that works against a guy that's bigger, right? Like, I've always been of the opinion that if he might, fights Mikey Garcia, Mikey Garcia knocks him out. All that motion. Mike is bigger. Yeah, and he has that jab, right? He knows how to throw a jab properly. He knows how to double up, triple up on that thing. And I just think that a lot of that motion will expose Lomachenko to kind of getting hit more. And now that doesn't mean Lomachenko's not a great fighter, right? It just means that there aren't other great featherweights for him to fight. I mean, again, you know, he comes 15 years earlier. You know, you have Manny Pacquiao, Marco Antonio Barrera, Eric Morales, Juan Manuel Marquez, uh, you know, maybe even a guy like Nassim Hamed, right? Who I think kind of strangely better than people think. Think in some weird way, I think he's kind of strangely underrated. He had great entrances. He did. The Prince. But he also was very kind of unorthodox. Yes, and he was. To me, and as a longtime observer of the sport, what I'm kind of curious is actually, you know, the Hamed comparison, right? Where Hamed perplexed a lot of his opponents just because he used such unorthodox angles. And, you know, my question about Lomachenko, is he benefiting from that same kind of thing, right? He, he crouches down low. He fights from, like, really weird angles. Now, you know, Lomachenko's more volume. Hamed was more kind of one-punch power. But, you know, we saw what happened to Hamed when Barrera stuck that jab in his face. So He had somebody to fight. Yeah. And Lance, I think before we started this podcast, you were talking about how Lomachenko is going into this fight saying, hey, this is my mandatory. But this also seems like a fighter who wants the bigger notoriety, doesn't he? He absolutely does. And I mean, obviously, he has uh, called out Mikey Garcia for, I would say, about the last year plus 
to no avail. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. And I think there was Why? some. I think there was resignation in his voice because I think Mikey realizes that if he stays with PBC and fights those guys, even though he lost to Errol Spence, I really believe like he can beat another welterweight. A lot of people insist that we've seen the last of Mikey Garcia in the lightweight division. No more 135 from Mikey. I don't think so. And so Lomachenko admitted, like, Gervonta Davis may be the next guy in line for me. That's going to be an opponent that I want. There is difficulty, though, in Gervonta Davis bringing a crowd and Lomachenko. Let's see how he does in Staples Center. Can he bring a crowd? Well, that's what I kind of want to get to. So he has the huge Ukrainian following in Southern California. We know they're showing it. Like the Mexicans are going to come for them. The Filipinos are coming for Pacquiao. The Ukrainians are there. Like Triple G was able to get the Mexican fans and you got to have them to support you and have them in the crowd. Has Lomachenko won over some of Southern California? I don't think it's that black and white where it's just strictly, you know, the one thing that really struck me was that probably like the last big fight we had here, right, locally was the uh, Mikey Garcia when he fought Robert Easter. And one thing that I noticed was when they show the fighters, you know, the guys who weren't fighting, right, they, yeah. you know, they had, it kind of didn't matter the ethnicity, right? The These guys were all getting like nice applauses. The only yeah. guy that didn't was Broner, and that's because he's purposely, <laughs> right? That's and what he, he and does. He's right. a heel. Right, exactly. And he got booed kind of the way and he, he was supposed to. That's what he wants. You know, so I kind of think that this market, you know, if you can fight, people will recognize that. Obviously, it is more of, of an advantage if you're Mexican or Mexican-American. But I do think, you know, Bob Aaron was saying, you know, the crowd's going to be around 10,000, which is about that's as good. good as something like this the can Staples do. Center, that's good. Now, does this mean he's a pay-per-view guy? That's a whole different... Because then you're starting to, you're trying to convince casual fans that's at that what point I was to, to pay to. money. Like, you're going to have the hardcore fans showing up yeah, there. Well, but is he doing enough to get on the front page of the LA Times? He's going to be in Lance's newsletter. Yeah. Dylan's going to write a column about it, but is the rest of the Times going to really make a big deal about Lomachenko if he gets to that level? Well, I mean, I think this is where the ESPN thing kind of helps, right? At least, you know, they're going to be pumping up this fight, right? Because this is going to be on regular ESPN, so they're going to be pumping That's this huge. up all week. But I still think, see, this is the problem. is that you need an opponent. I don't know. Who was the first guy that uh, Terrence Crawford fought on pay-per-view? Oh, yeah. Um, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. with the uh, Russian, right? The only Postol. But yeah, Victor Postol. Victor Postol. Yes. The only Victor reason Postol. I was even thinking about buying that was because there was a rumor for a while that they were going to have Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. fight Roberto Duran in an exhibition match. Yeah. But as soon as that thing dropped off, like I didn't, you, you need an opponent. Man. And it doesn't matter, right? And Crawford, to me, is the best fighter in the world right now at any weight class. But if the opponent's not there... Even as someone who likes the sport, it's really hard for me to fork over $70. You need two to dance, right? You need two to dance. Two to tango. Lomachenko, though, does he care about this legacy stuff, or does he want to just go and put on the best show? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very important to him, and he's looking for that person that's going to bring that fight out of him. So, I mean, the situation that we had to ask him about, and then his promoter, Bob Arum, outside the podcast was who else is there? So in addition to Davis, some of the names that were brought up were the uh, 130-pound world champion Miguel Burchell from Mexico. He's fighting May 11th in Tucson. Also on ESPN, that's a fight that could elevate him. He's fighting Bandido Vargas, a rematch. Yes, exactly. And now, like I said, the opponent, Richard Comey, that's, that's going a good to fight. that's going to be a good fight actually, and I think that it's not a good opponent, but it's a good fight, and that will help Lomachenko later this year when he takes that one on. What does he have to do, Dylan, to get on your good graces? Because that's what really matters. 
He's got to be Mikey Garcia. I mean, I don't think there's any, there's no shortcut here. And and I'm not saying that he necessarily should do this, by the way. This isn't, oh, okay, I've been playing my whole career in the National League. I want to see if I could go play in the American League. There, The consequences here are real and sometimes very lasting. You get beat up. I mean, it can change you physiologically. So I'm not necessarily saying he has to do this. But yeah, if he wants that recognition as an all-time great, I mean, that's... Almost like the minimum of what he has to do is, is start with Garcia. I thought a couple of things that stood out from the interview. There were two uh, bits of news that I drew out of it. One is that he said his shoulder, which was injured in the Linares fight, was not completely recovered when he fought Pedraza in December. He had surgery, didn't he? He had surgery, yes. Actually, by a Los Angeles doctor that I know Dylan will be writing about. On top of that, he also, to me, made it pretty clear he has no interest in moving up to 140. So if he needs to be fighting Mikey Garcia per Dylan standards, that's not going to happen hmm. given where both of these gentlemen are right now. And I think that that's the difficulty. You want to see it. I want to see it. I think the Everybody whole boxing world wants to see that fight. But right now there are lines being drawn that are going to make it very difficult. And that's an unfortunate thing for the sport and for both of these guys. Interesting that they're fighting on a Friday night. Well, it has to do with the one-year anniversary of ESPN+, Plus, but also what is the next night? It's the um, debut of the UFC on ESPN pay-per-view, ah. so they don't want those two things to conflict. Sweet. We didn't know that when they first made the fight, but clearly those things are connected. Are you okay with that, Dylan, on a Friday? Sure. Okay. I'm just making sure. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm a dad now, man. I'm boring. I'm not <laughs> Friday night, Saturday night. It doesn't matter. No, I, because everybody's going to say, Dylan's just sounding salty. Dylan's bitter. And I like bring that out of you, Dylan. That's why you're perfect for boxing. Because you, you call out the BS of a lot of people. How was Bob today? How did he treat you? Bob got a little test. You know, because I mean, <laughs> well, here's the thing, right? I mean, I brought up the point, And I think it's a really you good. You just like poking No, no, no. I think, it's a, I think it's a great point, right? The fact that. Had he come around 15 years earlier, mm-hmm. that was the golden age of that division. And the situation would be completely different. I mean, all you have to do is just line him up. And, you know, if he beats him, he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. You know, uh, he probably is regardless just because, I mean, well, the Boxing Hall of Fame is just such a weird thing, right? They let Arturo Gotti in. I mean, <laughs> I'll probably get in one day. Yeah, I'm voting <laughs> for you in there. Posthumously, we're going to get you in there. All right, <laughs> Last plug, my your newsletter comes out when? Tuesday around noon. People can subscribe where? At latimes.com. I mean, right on there, the, the fight corner. All you have to do is uh, click on a link and you will get automatic emails each Tuesday when it publishes. And this week you wrote about Conor McGregor. Uh, yes, I did. And? Khabib. And? And, and uh, Dustin Poirier, the uh, opponent who's going to be fighting. Actually, he's fighting for the interim lightweight belt this Saturday on ESPN. Um, in a rematch against the featherweight champion, Max Holloway. Holloway's moving up a division to fight for that interim belt. And then on the uh, co-main event is uh, Orange County-trained guy, Kelvin Gastelum. Mm -hmm. He's fighting also for a middleweight interim belt against uh, the very dynamic Israel Adesanya of New Zealand. He is definitely like a hybrid of John Jones and Anderson Silva and worth checking out. And when are those fights? Those are Saturday night. That's going to be in Atlanta. In your newsletter, you wrote about Conor McGregor supposedly retiring and turning a new page. And you had a great line, raise your hand if you believe him. Exactly. And raise your hand if you believe him and raise your hand about if you believe that his apologies after some of the harsh words that he said toward Khabib Nurmagomedov were, you know, not really meant. Because I think that their back and forth dialogue has gone beyond fight promotion to something that is really becoming quite dark and nasty and really, I think, not good for the sport. Someone needs to rein this stuff in 
a little bit because it's bordering on racist, anti-religious type uh, banter that I don't believe really has a place anywhere in this world. And the fight is tonight. The boxing is tonight, April 12th. Dylan, you going? <laughs> to what? Oh, Lomachenko! Yeah, I'll be there. You're going to go? Yeah, I'll be there. Of course I'll be there. Glad you're really happy about this. I know I am. He's one of the He's one of the best. Uh, here's the thing. He's, this isn't a great fight. This is a mismatch. But this is an opportunity to see one of the best fighters in the world at the peak of his powers. And that in itself, I think, is kind of a, it's a that in itself is kind of special. Enjoy the sport. Lance Pugmire, Dylan Hernandez, thank you so much for this. The Arrive Early Leave Late Podcast. Today, produced by Dave Wine, engineered by Mike Heflin, Fidel Martinez. Running all the social media that you need. And make sure you guys go and check out the LA Times Sports Twitter account, which is now very interactive with you. They respond to you. Great job by the LA Times social media department. I'm your host, Beth Duran. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast. <laughs>